Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. The Robert Pattinson countdown continues. We're getting closer and closer to The Batman being released. And as part of that, Paul Hoppy and I are continuing our series looking at different versions of Batman. And today we're looking at animated Batman. Specifically, we'll be looking at Batman in the Batman the Animated Series and continuing on to uh, the uh, Justice League, basically everything that Kevin Conroy did. Uh, we're also going to be looking at a movie called Red Sun, based on a comic book of the same name, as well as many people's favorite bat. Uh, animated Batman, as well as, uh, in some people's, one of their favorite actual Batmans, the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> we'll be getting to all three of those. I'm trying to talk about animation in general with Batman right after this commercial break. That Batman controls. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined by erstwhile guest... Actually, I don't even know what the word means. I'm joined by common guest, occasional co-host, general misanthrope, uh, and the haver of strong opinions, Paul Hoppy. Paul, how are we uh, doing today? Uh, I appreciate that introduction. That, there you that go. pretty much there covers you go. it. Yeah, yeah. Feeling kind of misanthropic, but also, um, you know, relatively good. So <laughs> here I, we are. Ran, random shout out, but on Valentine's Day, my partner and I wanted to watch a movie. We wound up watching something called Destination Wedding, which is... Kind of brilliant in that, um, among other things, it's Keanu Reeves and uh, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder in kind of a rom-com. But part of the point is that they're both huge misanthropes and just general weirdos. And yeah, it's it, a brilliant movie. Definitely check it out. Misanthropes in general are awesome. But let's talk about someone with no misanthropic ideas. Actually, no, I set up this whole thing because yeah. Batman's a misanthrope. Yeah. Um, Paul, of a sort. Let, let's kind of just start with... I know that you and I talked about going to the first um, Burton Keaton movie when we were kids, but when we kind of like reconnected and started talking about things, I know that for you, Batman the Animated Series was like a very big part of kind of your Batman, your understanding of Batman. To talk about that and kind of where, where that animated Batman falls for you in terms of how you understand this character in general. Yeah, so for me, it's not as much Batman the Animated Series as much as Batman in the Justice League Animated Series, mm. um, Justice League of America and Justice League Unlimited, which are, they share continuity with Batman the Animated Series. Right. Right. Um, I had watched episodes of Batman the Animated Series and I watched one last night and, you know, I've watched pieces of it here and there, but it was really the Justice League series that for me, you know, that's the same Batman, but in a little different context, right? Where he's surrounded right. by all these very highly powered heroes. And um, and I think the animated series really played up the detective angle, you know, the mm -hmm. usage of uh, intelligence and wits and, um, and sort of social understanding. And mm -hmm. then the Justice League takes that and and runs with it basically because right. you know when you think of there's this dude with no powers he doesn't even have a magic ring right like yeah. where does he fit in with people that have these amazing powers um and so i really only think the batman that is very um i was going to say mental but uh <laughs> <laughs> you know has very high uh lots of dots in the mental attributes um that's the only Batman that's going to really kind of make sense in the Justice League, I think. Yeah. And um, and so there's, you know, the extent to which they play that up, um, it's just that's very much what I would consider my Batman. Like when I right. consider what do I think of when I think of Batman or what do I think of when I think of Batman versions that I like, um, they're almost all animated, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about, we'll talk about uh, the Kevin Conroy and the, kind of those shows specifically. I'll just kind of throw in, uh, kind of agreeing with you there. One reason why I love Batman in the Justice League shows so much, the movie not so much, not so much, um, is that Batman is a very different hero than most. Like it's not only that he doesn't have powers, but you know he's significant. He's much less trustful than a lot of the others. Mm -hmm. He's not a joiner. He's very much kind of the outsider in that show, and I think so much of his character kind of gets revealed in that way in a way you don't when he's like not part of these larger stories when he, when he's just it was just a batman specific story right so let's let's kind of just pull the lens back a bit though cuz you said a lot of your favorite batmans are animated what what do you think about animation that kind of lends itself to telling a good batman story so 
I, I think first of all, um, I mean, I just like animation more than most people do, I think, mm-hmm. or I even prefer it to live action in a lot of cases. Um, I also think when you're dealing with material that's kind of trying to juxtapose some sort of, you know, whether you want to call it gritty realism or some sort of noir aspects with some really fantastical aspects, I think when you take that and it's live action and you have, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got a bunch of special effects that are very obviously special effects. Then you've got, you know, human actors who are very obviously human actors. I think um, it just doesn't always quite gel for me. Like it's it feels like it's harder to be serious when some of the fantastical elements maybe look a little less convincing. Whereas for me with animation... Um, you know, and this is about like the medium itself, right? This isn't just about the actual portrayals, but with animation, I feel like, well, I already know that's a drawing, right? There's, there's not this kind of pretense of like, that's a real person who's really that person, right? It's like, this is a drawing. This is clearly a story. And so, um, I feel like to even get into the animation in the first place, there has to be a certain kind of, um, suspension of disbelief and a a certain sort of acceptance of, you know, this is a portrayal, this is a, you know, it's a physical rendering of sort of more of a conceptual world as opposed to being like, this is really what a rock looks like. It's no, this is a drawing of a rock. So, you yeah. know, a drawing of an alien is like, okay, it's a drawing of an alien. Whereas it's like when there's somebody in a ton of makeup, it, it feels a little more to me like, I'm like, well, I can see the human in there, you know, right. or I can see that that's some computer generated thing, which doesn't quite flow with all of the, you know, the meat puppets, the humans. You know, that's such a good point, and I hadn't really put this all together till you said it, but in our previous episodes, we had talked about how one reason that we both liked some of the Tim Burton movies, but then often they weren't, they didn't always do this well, was there was an extent to which, you know, Gotham didn't seem like it could be an everyday city in everyday America. Like, right. everything in the Gotham movies, it felt a little bit, like, abstract, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it was this kind of ver- a very stylized way of presenting the world. Um, whereas, like, the Christopher Nolan movies, I think it's very important that there is nothing, there's almost nothing fantastical in those movies. Because they are, yeah. those are much more, like, gritty street, you know, they're like crime movies, you know? Yes. Like, much more than, like, superhero movies. And you're right. I I think with the animated can do that. I think another thing that it can do is I think one of the best parts about Batman stories is them being long form. You know, I think Mm -hmm. like there's so many different aspects to Batman, to the Bruce Wayne of it all, the the crime fighting, the cool gadgets, the detectiveness, the relationships with women and the like is it Batman or Bruce Wayne who's flirting with them and, and he, uh, all the dynamics with Alfred, all the other things that Wayne tech does in the world. I, I feel like a lot of times when I hear criticisms of Batman movies and some of them I've made myself, one of those critiques is, well, but why isn't there more of this? Why isn't there more of that? You know, I think more recently a comment that's been made a lot is if Batman has all these millions of dollars or billions of dollars and he wants to fight crime isn't the best thing to do him actually to use this money to like fund like rehab centers and job rehabilitation and like, you know, creating jobs and helping people out of the kind of economic, you know, situations that would make them go work for a Joker or a Riddler or whatever it is. And, you know, I think it's like, we didn't think that way 50 years ago. We should have. And so it's hard to apply that to Batman, but I often think there's some truth to that. But when you get, like, I mean, he does some of those things in Batman the Animated Series. He yeah. does, like, when you get those longer, but it's hard to squeeze all that into a 90 or 120 or now 150-minute movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I you know, cause especially when I think about, I, I didn't watch Batman the Animated Series much. I watched it a bit when it was, I, it came out when I was in high school. and Friends of mine liked it, so I'd watch it when I was over at their house. But I still was very, like, not into animation at that time. Um, you really helped me. I think the Clone Wars and Batman, the animated series, and then Justice League are the two animated shows that you really kind of got me to watch and really totally changed my mind about. And I feel like one of the things that I also really got in the animated series was just getting to spend time with all the rest of the people in Batman's world Mm -hmm. and to see his relationship with them. You know, like the third or fourth time that he goes up against Killer Croc, you know, and how that dynamic has changed or when like... You know, Grundy, uh, uh, it's a, yeah, Grundy yes. like kind of runs away to join the circus, and a lot of it's about him feeling like out of place and 
and like when Batman, you know, comes to get him, like he has some sympathy for him, uh, especially all the stuff with Harley, as we've talked about in in prior episodes. You can get that in a. T- it's not. It's not just that. It's long form because I do think that um, like TV shows you can get in that kind of depth, but there's also a thing with animation where, and you can talk about the Hollywoodness of this all and should this be, but my understanding is you don't have the same sort of sense of like, well, we can't get this big name actor unless we give them a big name part or because, you know, look at like the conversations about Boba Fett recently where like it's both the name of Boba Fett is on the show. So it should, he should be in this number of episodes, you know, animation. There's a lot less of that. You know, you could have Batman episodes where Batman was almost never in the episode because the whole thing is about, you know, Harley and Batman kind of interacting a little bit on the edges. Um, So yeah, I think those are all, and then the last thing I would say is, and this special will come up with our the two non-Conroy things we're talking about. It lets you really branch out, you know? When you make a Batman movie, or even a TV show, you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a huge event. People are talking about it six months, a year beforehand. You know, people are doing podcast series about it. And so there's a sense of, like, this has to be the end-all, be-all of everything. Right. Animation, you can do, you know what? Like... The main version of Batman isn't that he grew up in kind of Victorian times Gotham, but let's, what the hell? Let's make an animated movie about it because there's a cool comic book about it. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, it's funny because I was thinking one of the nice things about animation is that each unit of it is shorter. That like an animated yeah. movie is like 75 minutes or 80 minutes, right? right. Instead of 90 to, to 120 or more. Um, and each each episode of a TV series is 22, 23 minutes, something like that. Right. But you're right that you can partially because they're these smaller units, I think, you can string so many more together. It costs so much less to make one 22-minute episode of an animated show than to make a blockbuster movie, right? Even a 75-minute animated movie. I mean, I don't know the actual price tags on these things, but, you know, when you make a $250 million movie (laughs) and then you spend $250 million on, like, advertising or whatever, you know, if you gross less than a billion, you're probably losing money after, you know, the, the you know. Right. Because um, the, the theaters keep some of the money, right? I mean, there's there's a lot about the money. But when they make these huge, you know, tentpole films, they either have to, they have to succeed at a very high level. They have to reach a super broad audience. And you just don't get to make that many of them, right? Yeah. And so with an animated series, you know, if you've got, you might end up running hundreds of episodes, right? And then you just get to touch on a lot more points, a lot more aspects of a character. Characters get to develop more in-depth relationships, even with their minor characters in their Rose Gallery, right? And that's just something that you can't do in the same way when you're making these huge features or, you know, tens of millions of dollars um, live action television show. Right. right. So I, yeah. I really do appreciate that there's room to get in there, like you're saying. Right. Definitely. So let's kind of jump into each of these three and kind of ask them all the same questions. And let's start with Kevin Conroy, because I, I, I think I've often heard you say, like, when we talk about, like, who's your favorite portrayal, like, you really like Keaton. Um, I think some parts Christian Bale you really like. Yeah. But but my impression is Kevin Conroy is your Batman. Absolutely. Why is that? Uh, so first of all, I mean, just the voice. Like, Mm -hmm. his voice just feels so perfect for being able to be this, like, sort of smooth, sometimes putting on an act, Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah. And also getting to be this very serious, very, very, this, like, kind of gravelly but, like, cutting voice for Batman. Um, And then being able to do older Batman as well in Batman Mm -hmm. Beyond, right? Older Bruce Wayne anyway. Which is also part of the same continuity of those two other shows. Exactly. And so, you know, all of that, it's like, I just think he's, first of all, such a good voice actor. And second of all, just so perfectly matched with the role, right? And has the range, like you need range to be able to do Batman and Bruce Wayne. And um, second, you know, in terms of the character and the writing of the character, because that's just as important, um, you know... He's just always doing smart things. He's like always a step ahead. It's like yeah. he feels very much more like Jason Bourne than like James Bond, you know, 
or like mm-hmm. Michael Weston in um, Burn Notice. Like he feels like a character who's always trying to outthink people. And he, you know, he's very good at physical violence, like pretty much all Batmans are going to be, um, right. you know, in terms of, you know, he's, he is like the tights and, you know, the kind of gray outfit and then the black cape and, you know, some yellow highlights that like, you know, aesthetically, do I prefer the like all black Batman? Sure, I do. You know, I also really like the Terry McGinnis black Batman Beyond with like the black and the red. I think those are cooler looking. Um, right. But for me, the number one thing is about the character. And um, there's just so many instances of like, you know, Amanda Waller, who's always like one step ahead of everyone. She even says like, well, you know, he's just when you think, you know, you're you've got him out in front of him. He's like still two steps ahead somehow. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think it's so true. Like, we're going to get to the Christopher Nolan movies, and I never really fully put these thoughts together. But I, because I, I, to me, Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale are my two favorites. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because they're, they're different. Um, and I think part of it is Kevin Conroy is the Batman who I want. Kevin Conroy is who I want Batman to be. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale is who. When I understand the brokenness and the trauma that mm. Bruce Wayne went through, Christian Bale is the Batman I think we would get. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah and that's like, fair. I kind of love both of those because mm-hmm. I, I like – to me – and it feels like it's – it's you know, it's funny. Um, someone made a post recently. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to like rag on this person. I just very much disagree with it where they were saying that um, one particular version of Batman was, as they understood it, the closest portrayal to the Batman of the comics. Hmm. <laughs> Which to me is is a like the comics are eighty years of writing, yeah. by you know dozens of different writers and artists, and span everything from like campy kid stuff to you know the Frank Miller super edgy, super dark to detective novels to you know romance stuff about like him right. and Vicky Vale or whatever it is. And so like saying that there can be any one portrayal that's the real Batman is just it's so ridiculous to me. But yeah, I feel like it's interesting. Like, like to me, I think that's the whole point of all of this is that we're trying to figure like, what are the things in Batman that we like most? Um, yeah. Like that, that seems like something that I think Jessica Plummer, a frequent guest of the show can probably comment uh-huh. on more in depth. Right. But yeah, but yeah, there's decades of comics, like almost we're coming up on a century, right? Uh-huh. Not that long from now. And Obviously, they've varied greatly, right? And right. you could maybe say, oh, this character is the most like, you know, from The Dark Knight Returns or whatever. Or this is the most from, yeah. you know, from this series or that series. That's fine, you know. But to me, um, you know, the question of like, you know, who is your Batman is like, or who is my Batman is is like, which character do I like the most, right? Which character yeah. do I want to spend time with? I, when... When you have enough different pieces of media, um, like the Harley Quinn TV series has a Batman that's very much not my Batman. But I don't right. mind that because there's also a whole bunch of other Batmans that are being made at the same time, right, that I right. still do uh, recognize. There's a movie, Injustice, that came out recently. Um, I won't get too into it, but, like, there's a Batman in it. And I'm like, yeah, my Batman, you know, or at least more nice. or less, right? And yeah. But meanwhile, there can be a TV series where it's like, mm, that one's not really the one that I relate to. And yeah. when you make these tentpole movies and you're like, well, this is going to be the Batman for the next 10 years of the DC Extended Universe. It's like, whoa, it feels like now it matters more whether that's like a Batman I want to see or not. And I might right. have more feelings about that than if I just see one, say, in Red Sun, which we'll get to. And I'm like, mm, nope. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's okay because then I can go watch Gotham by Gaslight and be like, yeah, all right. You know, yeah, and, and that's such a good point. And I think I'm glad you brought up the Batman of the Harley Quinn because, you know, kind of uh, the point I was kind of building to before, but I think we've kind of both said it already. Is, is you know, like animated series and Christian Bale are doing very different things. Yeah. You know, Christian Christian Nolan is trying to say, here's how Batman could exist in our actual world. Mm-hmm. As you said, Justice League and and animated series are trying to be in a much more fantastical world. Um, Harley Quinn is doing yet a third thing where it's you know, satirical and like right. it, the Lego movie has a different kind of satire, uh, but I think similar, although very different uh, uh, audiences. Right. Um, Harley Quinn is not family friendly. That was a great show. It depends show. on the family. Um, 
That's also true. Um, but I feel like part of the point is that everything is from Harley's perspective right. in the Harley Quinn show, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so she sees Batman as kind of this overly pompous jackass. Yeah. And so that's what we, the audience, see in that. And I'm, I'm totally fine being like, it's not my Batman, but that's Harley Quinn's that, Batman. That's Harley's I get Batman, the, yeah. Yeah, you know? Totally. Let's just kind of uh, tease I think it's kind of a good, good way to start segue to some of the others. So just a couple other things about the Kevin Conroy Batman. Uh, I totally agree with you about the voice. I love the way he deals with the people he with his rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think you've pointed out this out in earlier episodes. I don't think any other version of Batman has as much sympathy slash empathy for the people he's you know dealing with. And part of that is like we talked about Grundy, we talked about Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn's bad day. Um, but just in general, I mean, like. This is a like Batman doesn't use guns. Um, I don't think he ever killed. Does he ever kill anybody in the enemy? Maybe uh, he kills like, like some aliens, aliens or... like shape shifting aliens who are invading Earth. I think and like robots, right. right? So, but in in terms of like humans, no. To my, I mean, to my yeah. recollection, I don't ever remember seeing that. Yeah. No, I think it's very and. and you can hear now, uh, you know, um, some of our friends being like, but what about droid life? What about alien life? Oh, no, and I, that, I totally agree with yeah, that. Those are legit concerns. But compared to every other version, this is a Batman who doesn't kill and clearly doesn't want to kill, yeah. doesn't use guns. And so I love that. And then, and then you kind of brought it up. Let's get, go a little bit more into it. What is it about this Batman in terms of the way he stands apart from – like he's part of the Justice League show – but he continually reminds us he is not in the Justice League. He doesn't sign the membership papers, uh, either literally or figuratively. Yeah. What, why does that matter to you so much in terms of this being your Batman? I mean, like if we if we take it to like the sort of stranded panda analogy, like I feel like I'm the Batman of the, the stranded panda sort of yeah. uh, podcasting network, where it's like, yeah, I'll be on this show a lot. I'll be on you know your other show a lot, and like I, I would be happy to be on other things here and there. But like I'm. You know, it's a sort of like one foot in, one foot out, but more like, you know, on my terms kind of right. thing, right? And so, you know, for this Batman, it seems like I feel like he's going to be part of the Justice League so long as the Justice League does what he thinks it should be doing. And once it's not, he's like, all right, peace, you know? Yeah. And um, in the, you know, the Justice League Unlimited season one, I think is how it's, you know, there's four seasons of Justice League. There's the first one when there's just like tons of heroes all of a sudden, right? Right. And Superman's like, well, we're all going to turn ourselves in and then they'll figure out that it wasn't us, you know? And Batman's like, you know, he's like, you know, clear your own name. Don't sit on the sidelines and hope someone else does it, you know? And they're mm-hmm. like, well, but we have to all do it together. And he's like, I'm only a part-timer, remember? Batman out. And I yeah. think Wonder Woman's <laughs> like, he took it better than I thought he would. But, yeah. like, you know, he's like, he's with them all the way until they start doing something that he thinks is stupid. And he's like, I'm not going to go along with this stupid plan. I'm going to do my own right. thing now. You know, which to me is like, th- that's sort of how I feel about society, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, if if everyone's doing things a certain way and I think that way makes sense, cool. I'm not going to not do it because I want to not do things the way people are doing them. But it's like once it doesn't make sense, I'm like, no, I, I, I'm not going to do what I, you know, something that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like you have to explain to me why you think it makes sense. And I'm open to having my mind changed. You know, this Batman is like, you can convince me, but you probably won't because I probably already thought about this like pretty deeply. Yeah. And like. We're not going to do an episode on Zack Snyder's Batman because I think you and I can't yeah. stand watching that again. Right. But I, 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 I want to bring it up here for once. And, you know, some people really like it. That's fine. Sure. It's just very much, very, very much not my Batman. But here's one key reason why. Batman being the person who organizes the Justice League makes absolutely no sense to me. Because so much of what that – so much of what I felt happened in those movies was, you know, Batman and Superman have this conflict – which, by the way, is because Lex Luthor outsmarts and manipulates Bruce Wayne Batman, which... Yeah, nope. 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 I, I refuse... Like, world's greatest detective, refuse to believe that. Um, but also, then there's this kind of thing of, like, you know, 
Superman won in that bat, you know, Bruce Wayne gets convinced that Superman's idea of hope and believing in everybody makes sense. And so he brings the whole justice thing together to try and bring Superman back. No, like that just like, you know, again, if that's you're in a Batman, great. It's just so far away from anything I understand. And I think from anything in the Conroy uh, works. And we brought you brought it up briefly, but I wanted to say more about I think one reason why I love Kevin Conroy's Batman so much is because in both the animated series and then in the Justice League shows is where we get my favorite version of Amanda Waller. Mm, yes. Um, and she's, I, I think she's voiced by C.C. Pounder. Yes, um, C.C.H. Uh, Pounder, right? C- yeah, she, she's voiced by C.C.H. Pounder. She's animated very well. I do think Viola Davis is doing a great job portraying her. But one of the things that I like so much about her character, you know, if you listen to me a lot, you know these are the kind of things I care about. I like seeing what happens when a person is facing a literal existential threat and does things that we might find are questionable because of how scared they are about this threat, you know, and then it, it's, it gets into a very like, we want to say easily that they're bad guys, but are they? Right. Uh, or at least can, 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 we, can we promise ourselves we wouldn't do something faced with that kind of a threat as well? Like not that they're, they're good. And in those series, Amanda Waller, off, she is the person who's just like, look, for all of humanity to just trust these people of incredible power, like, you know, and trust that they'll do the right thing. In a world where, like, you know, red kryptonite exists. Like, right. we don't know Superman's always going to do the right thing. Or green kryptonite. I, always get well, too I mean, in that world, the Superman animated series, I think Superman actually got controlled by Darkseid and, like, attacked Earth. Yeah. So that's the thing exactly. that yeah. had happened, right? And, and that thing is, A, and so Amanda Warrior becomes a very, like, she's using all these awful tactics, but it's kind of like, oh, but, but maybe she, I don't want her to be right, right. but I see why... And, and I think Batman is very, like, there's there's some wonderful scenes where Batman and, and Amanda, like, understand each other. Exactly. You know? And sometimes he thinks she goes too far, but sometimes he's with her about not trusting everyone. And I, I think there isn't there a, some kind of a scene where they both kind of admit that they have that they just keep kryptonite ready at all times because they just know Bat- Superman could go bad at any time? Um Probably, uh, I don't. I don't remember that scene exactly, but I mean, in that series, Batman already has been like, "Oh yeah, I got kryptonite." Um, yeah, <laughs> and he was trying to use it for some other purpose, but um, but he has it because he's like, yeah, "Yeah, Superman's a thing. I need to have some kryptonite just in case," you know. Yeah, and, and there's definitely some moments where like each of them says to each other, "Like you are very paranoid." <laughs> I like that about you. <laughs> right, right, you know? Like right. they definitely like get each other in a way that I just. It, it, it to me it, it brings out a part of Batman that I don't think we see in any other media. I, I totally agree. I think um, the interplay between those two in uh, in the Justice League series is is amazing and is my favorite version of Amanda Waller. Is my, is some of my favorite stuff of Batman. Where like Amanda Waller's willing to trust like Lex Luthor because she's she's right. like and Batman's like well you know you know he has ulterior motives. She's like yeah he wants to be president. That would be enough. You know, for any man. And Batman's like, almost any man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, that's actually, that's not his end, end goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but, and she feels like she's playing Lex, but Lex is playing her. But like, she also, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, you got to watch out for Superman. And and then Superman does some bad stuff, kind of, right? And, and he's, and he's like, oh, come on, Bruce, you know, I would never do anything like such and such. And Bruce is basically like, I'm not so sure, you know, he's like, is she wrong? You know, I, right. and, and so it's like, he doesn't want to do what she's doing the way she's doing it, but I think he does understand it. And there's another series or another movie where basically Batman's revealed to have ways of shutting down every member of the justice league, you know, yeah. non-lethal ways of stopping each and every member. I think that that's where Amanda Waller is like, yeah. You're even more paranoid than I am. I like this. You right, know? right. Like, exactly. Exactly. So I think there's a lot more we could say there. I wanted to say one other thing on just to – I've been accused. We've both been accused of overly Zack Snyder bashing. I'm not trying to bash here. I'm just trying to, again, highlight a difference. One of the things I most disliked about Batman versus Superman is I felt like it it portrayed Batman as being wrong for mm-hmm. distrusting Superman. Right. And that it is mostly Lex Luthor manipulating him. When When – 
frankly, when, when you say to someone, when you say to me that we're going to have a person exist on earth who can literally end all life on earth at his whim, but he's a boy scout and a good person. And so we trust him not to, that's a horrifying idea to me. Mm. I don't trust that. I don't think we ever should put that much trust in one person. And so to me, the idea that Batman and Amanda Waller are both deeply suspicious of him makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And uh, to me also that Batman is like, and therefore I'm just going to kill him. So he doesn't exist. Right. And it's like, no, I mean, you have a point that you should be worried about him. So get a kryptonite right. spear and keep it in your safe in the Batcave, you know? And then if things start going sideways, now maybe you, you know. The idea that the world's greatest detective wouldn't have already done his research and realized that he and Bat- he and Superman share mothers with the same first name. Right, 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 right. It just doesn't, whole Martha it doesn't thing. line up for me. Anyway, so on the subject, though, that Superman can go bad, let's talk about Red Sun. Mm. Um, and this is a movie that Paul and I have done a, a full episode on in the past. It was a lot of fun. We talked about it a lot. Um, and I wanted to give a quick summary of what the movie is, though, for those who haven't seen it, because Batman is a side character in a – kind of like we're talking about Harley. It is a Superman story in which Batman is a side character. And it's an alternate universe story. The idea is that, you know – Kal-El ship crash landed in Kansas. But what if it had crash landed in the Soviet Union? And so he'd been brought up. And, and, and it's a very interesting thought exercise in terms of how much of, you know, Superman slash Kal-El is because of who he inherently is and how much is it because he was raised in the United States and how would that, you know, raised in a worker's, you know, Raised in the Soviet Union, where the ideas of like what goodness and purity and and all that are very different, some would say much worse. I don't. I think you can make a lot of comparisons both ways and 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 draw your own conclusions. But it's a very interesting story. And one of the things that happens over the course of that story is that, you know, because I think I think you can accurately say the Soviet Union was a much more authoritarian, at least officially authoritarian place than the United States at the time. Um, Superman learns this idea that, like, if, if you think you can make the world better by taking over, then do it. And eventually he he does exactly that. He does the thing that, like, you know, be, and, and it's, it's because he's like, people are suffering. There's hunger. There's starvation. There's injustice. I'm going to rule and then I can deal with all these things. Yeah. Um, and so we're, what – what role does a – I think they give him like a Russian name. It's like, you know, Brusevich Wieninski or something like that. Wieninski is Polish, not Russian. But like what – there is a character in that world who's clearly the Batman analog. Tell us about that character. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I would mention that this is very specifically like Stalinist Soviet Union. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think it's very fair. Um, and then – and Superman kind of goes in, in that model, right? Stalin is very explicitly a character. Right, exactly. Um, And then um, I I feel like I actually want to get the character's name. but (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he's just credited as Batman. All right, never mind. The the Batman character who, you know, we find out is Batman because bats fly from behind him, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he suffers a tragedy in his childhood, I think related to... um, I think he's like in a gulag and, and his his parents are as well. And then they die in the mines or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he basically just becomes a – he starts just blowing stuff up and killing a bunch of people to try and basically bring down, you know, Superman's regime. Right. And I do think he's, you know, right to object to Superman's regime as it is at that point. Um, you know, you could say, but his methods just feel so un-Batman. Yeah. You know, and... I mean, he's described in the movie as a terrorist, and I think, you you know, we can have long discussions about... Uh, well, the movie, and it's based on a comic book, mm-hmm. we can have long discussions about that word terrorist and who we do and don't apply to, but, like, certainly he is using political... Vi- he is using violence as a means of achieving his political ends, and doing it in ways that are not like so solely targeted to only kill the people who are like the most responsible. Like, you know, innocent bystanders are being killed. He at one point kidnaps Wonder Woman, 
because there's kind of like a, a Russian version of Wonder, Wonder Woman in this. Not Russian, well, she's, but like she's you know, Themyscarian still. But she's Themyscarian, yeah. but 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 she's more on kind of the Soviet side yeah. because of her connection with Superman. And yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a, it, it felt like they they wanted a foil. And so they were like, well, Batman, you know, if if Superman is super different, why wouldn't Batman be super different? And I kind of get where they're coming from, but I just I think you could have had an interesting character who clearly had some like similarities to Batman's story, but not making Batman, you know, because and the idea being like if if when the superhero lands in the Soviet Union, it so funnily changes the world that, yeah, it's not that a Batman exists, you know, something else exists. Because you're right, it just, it felt, there was, so, what I, to me, if you want to tell an alternate universe story, you have to make me believe that things in this alternate universe would happen the way that they happen. Right. You know, like, if you want to show me Anakin High School, uh, you know, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme as high school students, like, cool, I'd, I'd be interested to have that. But, I have to still see Anakin as like an insecure, whiny kid who's also you know, dealing with all these rage issues and repression and stuff like that. Like, and it would be interesting to me to ask a question about like what, who would be the person who would kind of emerge as a as a foil to to Superman in this alternate universe? And I love a lot of the things they do in it, which, as you said, also you can't really do in live action. But the Batman heart just felt so flat to me. Yeah, I agree. It, it felt like they were just like, oh, let's just call this person Batman. So people would be like, oh, it's Batman, you know. And, it, you know, I didn't read the comic. I listened to the podcast that you'd done about the comic before the animated movie came out. Then I watched the animated movie, which is like 84 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, an 84-minute movie that's covering a substantial period of time, you know, um, young Superman growing up and then rising to power, et cetera, et cetera. You're, you're telling so much of Superman's story that it, I think right. it's hard to really develop a second character that much. Right. And um, to sort of effectively tell an alternate version of, of Batman, I think would take more effort. Like this was Superman, red sun, right. It's yeah. not Superman, Batman, public enemies. It's not injustice. It's not, you know, it, right. it's specifically a Superman thing. And so they basically just take the name Batman and put it on this character who doesn't really seem to have any other real characteristics of Batman. And um, it it felt off to me. Um, I didn't love that movie. I, there were parts of it. I think the concept's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The execution to me fell flat. I think that there would be ways to have a Batman character there. Um, but I think they would, you know, it would have been more of a sort of underground resistance leader or, um, be more directly going after Superman the whole time or something. Right. Right. And, and this just felt, it just felt off. And the, the thing is though, it didn't bother me the same way, you know, the big screen and to, you know, not harp on Zack Snyder, like the Joel Schumacher ones, I didn't particularly care for either, um, it the thing is like when you make a movie, you're not going to have another big movie with that character for a couple years probably, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of dominating the franchise, and maybe you even kill the franchise, right, for like a decade or whatever mm-hmm. because you make a movie that people are like, oh my goodness, um, and yeah, yeah, you, 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 oh, you keep going. I was just gonna say like with an animated movie, you just make another animated movie the next year. You know, I watched that. And then like a week later or a day later, I watched Gotham by Gaslight or maybe even the next, that night, you know, it's like, it's just, Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. You know, I watched this one recently called Batman soul of the dragon. And I was like, I guess that's Batman. It's a really, (laughs) and it's like, it's not really a Batman movie. It's more like this character who's basically like Bruce Lee. And, but I'm like, okay, whatever. I didn't love that yeah. one. I'll just watch another one. And then I watched Injustice, yeah. you know? Yeah, like I'm so glad you brought up Schumacher in that because I, the first time I watched the Schumacher movies, and, and for those who don't know, um, Joel Schumacher was the um, person who directed the second two of that bunch of four Batman movies. The last two of the, the set of four Batman movies that starts with um, the Tim Burton one. So Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So the, the Val Kilmer and the George Clooney Batman. Yeah, I hated them the first time I saw them. 
as a, especially when Schumacher passed away, there was a lot more kind of like talked about, and probably some people knew this, but it hadn't been talked about as broadly about what Schumacher was doing with those movies and that he had a very like campy idea and he was very much trying to like play that up uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I kind of feel like if that, if Schumacher had been making his movies while Tim Burton was also making movies or someone else and this was portrayed as like, hey, here's a totally different way to if you look at Batman. Let's have fun with it. I, I think I would have, A, appreciated them a lot more. I might have even enjoyed them a lot more and I'm, we're going to talk about them. Maybe mostly me and Ashley Coffin. Uh, Paul, I know you don't. You have a strong. We'll, we'll you, see. you may not join. We'll see. Because uh, I know Ashley really likes those, and I think that that's like, I think that's gonna be fun to kind of look at. It's like, yeah, hey, what's a totally different view of Batman? And we'll we'll get to that kind of idea. I think with a Lego Movie. But you're right. I think what with its, um, you know. I think a lot of it has to come down to as well, like what is the kind of broader cultural perception of Batman? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the kind of like, not my Batman can get to a very toxic place of this is not my version of Batman. So this is wrong. And therefore no one should make this and no one should like it. And I'm going to attack everybody who feels that way, you know? And I think especially when like, you're right, it's, I think that's always wrong and toxic and bad, but when the thing you don't like is the only thing that has come out about this character in the last five years and the only one that's going to come out for a while, I at least understand more of where that anger comes from. Even if I, you know, like if Luke Skywalker is your favorite character and you don't like his betrayal in The Last Jedi, I mean, that's the definitive word on Luke Skywalker for the next however many years until he then shows up again in Mando and stuff like that. Again, not to justify any of the toxicity that resulted in it, but, you know, Paul, I think you're a great example of the other side, that you were not a fan of that, but you've expressed that in, many, in, in great ways that aren't toxic. They're just like, here's why. And, and so I guess I, I, I can ask you directly, is that a fair comparison of, in, this, in the way that you're talking about, like, you can watch Red Sun or something else, you're like, that's not my Batman, but I can just turn on this other one. Luke in Last Jedi was harder because we don't, we don't have... 20 other things you can turn on that are about Luke after Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like when I saw Batman vs. Superman, it's like I knew I wasn't going to get a Batman I liked in live action for a long time. But mm-hmm. I also knew that they were constantly making animated movies, that some of which were Batmans that I liked, right? Yeah. And, you know, also it's like, sure, those movies are going to sort of play larger in terms of the public perception of the character. But like, Whatever, that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah, with you know, with Luke in the Last Jedi, that was kind of like, well, there's not gonna be any other you know big media or even small media really that has the character in it. And then you know maybe there has been since then, right? And yeah, maybe that that makes it you know less bothersome to some extent. You know, um, I I do think that this is you know we did an episode I think. When we were talking about Red Sun and Gotham by Gaslight on that one episode, I think we mm-hmm. called it something about toxic canonicity or something. Yeah. And, you know, to me, this idea that it's like, you know, this is the canonical Luke because Disney says so. It's like, well, I don't know. You know, it's like yeah. th- this like this corporation being like, no, this is the official version and only these things count. And then all these other stories that a lot of people loved, it's like those don't count now. And it's like, right. I think saying like, well, these are supposed to share continuity with one another is one thing. Um, but the thing that comic book, comic books and then comic book shows and comic book movies have done, um, especially DC, I, th- I think Marvel's a little different in some ways, but mm-hmm. they've created so much media, right? They've, they've created so many different versions of each character that I think any one version is never going to it's not going to feel like the canonical, you know, this is, yeah. this has to be, you, you know, you, you don't get to choose, right? It's like, no, you do right. get to choose. You get to say, yeah, yeah, the Kevin Conroy Batman, that's my, my top Batman. Christian Bale one yeah. I also like a lot. You know, this one I don't, this one I, eh, you know. And when, when you're going to have kind of smaller pieces of media coming out more frequently, then it's not like, well, this is what you get. You like it. You don't like it. You hate it. You love it. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's like one shot on goal for everything. And I think that's exactly it. I think that's kind of a kind of a good way of explaining kind of the mission statement of this whole series because I think it, 
I think this is pretty clear, but I want to say it explicitly. Nowhere in these episodes are we trying to say that either Paul or I has the definitive view of what the real Batman is and everything else is wrong. You know, I think it's very much the opposite. Like you and I love, I think you and I have a very, like the Venn diagram mm. of your Batman and my Batman are probably like 50 to 80% overlapping. Yeah. You know? It's like if you and, close one eye and then open the other eye and the thing shifts just a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But it's mostly in the same place. But I feel like having these conversations helps me. One of the things I love about Batman is all the things I can learn about him. And yeah, like I don't like the the Snyder movies, um, but honestly, watching them it helped me have a better appreciation of the things about Batman. You know, and these conversations, I think, mm. to me, it's part of what I why I'm so excited about these conversations is I feel like it's giving me such a better right, a way to really break down. Like, yeah, what are the things I like in Batman? What are the things I don't like? And, you know, it's not that I'm going to go in and watch the Pattinson movie with a checklist. Like, right, I'm hoping right, I'll right. be just so taken into that movie that I forget about all this and just enjoy it. But it's kind of a fun way to think about Batman and to evaluate him. Um, so there's a lot more we could say about these. But since we've been talking about the idea of, like, you know, it's okay to have a Batman that's not our Batman. And also, though, sometimes it's kind of fun to see someone have a totally different take on Batman yeah. that maybe is, like, it's not our take on Batman because it's never supposed to be. And in the with animation, you can do this. Let's talk about Lego Batman. Yeah. Because Lego Batman is very clearly a parody in the same way that all the Lego Batmans are. But there's some things in the story that I really love. And I feel like, and some people say, well, Will Arnett is their Batman. And, and I get that. Like, I think, um, you know, I don't feel the same. But I think especially in a world where, like, the character is done so much, wanting to kind of satirize him in ways that, like, most of the parts of the satire in Lego Batman, I'm like, yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> I still love the character. And it it, it, it does feel like – it feels like satire made out of love, not out of like, oh, God, Batman's terrible. It's like we love Batman so much. Let's talk about the ridiculousness of it. Um, so that, that's kind of my take. What, talk, talk to me about kind of how you feel about the Lego Batman movie and like both – we'll get into like that actual portrayal, but also what do you think about like this way of approaching a Batman story? Um. Yeah, I, I love that it exists, you know. I mean, first of all, Will Arnett is amazing, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, he, he's just good in everything and is hilarious and has, like, the perfect voice to be able to pull that off. You know, yeah. the, the, the combination of comic chops but also the, you know, the deep voice. And um, yeah. he just – he does such a good job in it. And so does the rest of the, the voice cast. The, the movie's very well produced. It looks good. Um, you know, the movie feels like it's moving a mile a minute. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was so hard for me to take notes. I had right. to keep hitting pause. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait, stop. Yeah, and I mean, to me, I was the main point I was going to make. You just made, which is that it it doesn't feel like mockery satire. It feels like yeah. loving satire. You know, it's like yeah. it feels like it's written by people who really um, enjoy the character, but also you know, want to kind of like point at some things that are like, isn't this kind of funny, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I appreciate that, you know, it, and so I really like that being a Batman that exists in the world. And in a lot of ways, it does go into, you know, a lot of, um, you know, sort of how Batman is this loner, but also is a loner kind of because he cares about people a lot. Yeah. And like the whole idea behind the disguise is mostly to like not... Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's the whole fear thing and whatever, but there's also like to not get people that he cares about endangered. And, you know, I mean, that's often the idea behind, you know, the alter ego. Right. right? And um, yeah, it, it just yeah. it just works for me on a lot of levels. I think the idea of that alter ego is there, but they say it explicitly in this movie in a way that I can't remember hearing in another Batman property. But again, I've, I've not read most of the comics where like Alfred um uh, call, you know, basically says like you're scared of being part of a family again, mm. Be because because in this movie they really kind of play up the idea of like you know Robin is kind of a surrogate son right. and like all this family stuff and you can say like maybe that, that that's an oversimplification but yeah I think that idea of that he's scared he you know he lost his two parents he's very scared of losing them again he and he's also he carries all this responsibility in his heart you know of, like wanting to take care of people and I was it was one of the moments where it was like. You know, satire can point out a lot of truth, and I just think this movie does that brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there are some. That's that's a take, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily like 
overall accurate most of the time or all of the time. But I, I think it's yeah. definitely an interesting take, you know, um, the, the whole like holding people at arm's length sort of to protect them, but to protect yourself from potential loss of them. Um, you know, there are like a lot of the Batman stories are these like sort of family stories, you know? And yeah. th- that's one of the things where I think, um, to me, the, the the Schumacher movies kind of damaged my appreciation of certain aspects of, of, of Batman, right? I mean, I, I'd watched the, the 60s series, right? And so I had this whole, like, Batman and Robin and then Alfred kind of dynamic, right? But then seeing the Burton movies, seeing him as this very much this loner who's kind of awkward, as we discussed on the other episodes... Um, that then, like, sort of formed a certain vision of Batman, which then the early Batman animated series things are like. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Justice League, he's not really, like, hanging out with any of his wards or former sidekicks or whatever. But um, but there are a lot of, in the comics and in the, you know, the adventures of Batman and Robin, I think, is what the later parts of the animated series are called. Um, right. There are a lot of things, like the Bat family. You know, and yeah. it's like it does Death in the Family is like one of the most well known titles. Right. And and you know, it it's like it doesn't always have to be goofy, you know, like it can be, it can be campy, but it you know, because like the idea of like, oh, you have this kid sidekick, it's like, okay, that's either gonna be kind of goofy or it's gonna be like, maybe that's not the best idea, you yeah. know? But like <laughs> maybe it's fine. I don't know. It, it, Different people have different ideas. Like, how old exactly is Dick? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, is he 12? Or is he, like, 14? Or is he, like, 10? You know, it, it, it can... Whatever. Um, but, like... I think that idea of, like, family, but then, like, not really having family, I think is a very interesting aspect of, of Batman, yeah. right? And I think the Lego movie takes a, has a take on that. And I, I think the take is interesting and, you know, yeah. worthwhile. Yeah, like, I think one thing that satire will often do is, like, it'll say, look, there's kind of this interesting undercurrent. We're going to make that under... We're going to make that subtext text. Right, You exactly. know, and, like, make it the text... You know, like, I don't think that Joker and Batman have, like, a pseudo-romantic relationship where, like... The, it's so important that they hate each other more than anybody else hates everyone else. But making that the story and making it basically a love story just with the words hate instead of love. Right. And it's all about like Joker wants Batman to acknowledge like that he's his one. He wants to be like, you know, monogamous right, as right, a criminal. Right. And like it's ridiculous, but it gets to a truth like that. There's an extent to which like, yeah, Joker is always going to be like the head of his rogues gallery. And the degree to which. This is going to be a weird connection, but I feel like this version of the Joker in this one aspect has the most in tu- the most connection with a Heath Ledger Joker of the Dark Knight. Oh. You know, because where he says, like, look, like, I, you know, you know, I want to chase Batman, but I don't want to catch you. Right. I, it's like I'm a dog chasing a car. I don't like yeah, what would yeah. I do if I ever caught you. I just I just love the chase. Right. And, and I love that. Like, you know, there's a couple uh, in the. um in the Harley Quinn show, there's a scene where uh, Joker realizes that Batman is Bruce Wayne. I think in this as well. And he's so disappointed. He's like, I don't want to know that. <laughs> right, like, right. that's the fun. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I just, you know, it's over the top. It's ridiculous. I don't think anyone's going to say, like, that's the truth. But it gets to this, like, the, the degree to which Joker and Batman have been chasing each other for 80 years is kind of ridiculous. Mm. And I feel like this does a good job of pointing that out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, in the Harley show, there's also a thing about like, as a villain, like you need a nemesis, right? Like yes. every hero and villain needs like a nemesis, and um, you know the Harley's very upset that her nemesis is Robin, right? Exactly, because you know? it's like joke. Exactly, Joker's a Batman, hers is Robin. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and there's a lot of like, like I'm looking at my notes about the movie, and mostly it's just like, oh yeah, this was a great joke. This was a great joke. <laughs> That's not really <laughs> necessary. Um, but it. I think one of the things I also like about it is how self-referential it is. Mm. You know, like there is – it's clearly paying homage. Like, you know, there's – early in the movie, they make reference to almost every other Batman movie. You know, like 
someone's like, oh, yeah, what about that time where, like, you know, someone's talking to Joker about all – and he's like, what about, you know, when you had those two boats and it's like the Dark Knight thing, yeah. you know, or like all these other references to things. There's uh, one that sticks out to me is when he puts on his music to listen to while he's kicking ass. He said uh-huh. um, the t- track titles Let's Get Nuts, which is like from the 89 Burton one, where he's like, you want to uh-huh. get nuts? Let's get nuts. When he's oh, talking I didn't to connected that, but you're so you know, right. Bruce Wayne talking to, to Joker, and then he you know gets shot, but he's not really shot. Mm-hmm. And blah 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 blah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, I think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap up on uh, um, Lego Batman. Unless there's anything else you wanted to say about it? No, that pretty. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say to it about it. It's mostly just like it's a very different take, but it references all the other takes, and it's it's a really nice thing to have exist. I think. Yeah. I think it's a really good way to put it. I think it's a really good way of saying, like, you know, because not that we want every Batman story to be, like, our version of Batman. Right, you know, exactly. I think, first of all, I just think, like, yeah, more people should tell more Batman stories. And if some of them aren't my version of Batman, that that's fine. Absolutely. But also just, like, I like, you know, Harley Quinn Batman is not what I recognize, but I like that it exists. I like that it's Batman through Harley's eyes or Batman through the eyes of satire mm-hmm. or, you know, any of these kind of things. Absolutely. So those are kind of the big three we wanted to touch on. But just as we kind of like wrap this up, Paul, what are some other animated Batmans that you want to um, just mention? Like we've talked about Gotham by Gaslight a little bit. What's that one and what are some of the others? Yeah, Gotham by Gaslight is like an alternate world um, sort of steampunk Batman, which, you know, it very much feels like Batman by personality. But it's obviously, you know, more like if he was in the Sherlock Holmes world, you know, Um and uh, we did a cast on that, and I would I would definitely recommend checking that one out. Again, that's mm-hmm. one where it's like some things are very different, and so it's just clearly a different world and a different take on a lot of characters. Another one's Injustice, which is more of a, a Justice League movie. Very different take on a lot of characters. You know, maybe some not my blank, but. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Batman is pretty true to who Batman is, um, and I think it's an interesting take. Um, some of my favorite ones, though, are uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, which, you know, it's like it's got sort of one of those superhero registration act type things. Um, mm-hmm. And Superman are, and Batman are like, nah. And, you know, they team up. And it's it's just a great sort of the interplay between those two characters I love so much. Um, yeah. And there's like I, I, they work as great foils for each other, you know, and I yes. do think that they are such like different ideas. To me, they're kind of the two binaries of what superheroes can be in terms of like are you the big boy scout who does what the government wants you to versus are you the lone vigilante and yeah i think the times when they interact and and they're they're giving each they're pushing back against each other and they're both learning from each other um i think are are some of the best yeah absolutely um and there's there's a i think a three episode arc either in the superman series or probably in the batman series i'm not sure Mm -hmm. but called world's finest where it's like Superman and Batman getting to know each other, kind of, um, you know, and it has Joker and Lex Luthor, I think, which always, you know, that's a fun kind of like foursome, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Batman Beyond is one of my favorite Batmans, and it does share continuity with all of the, you know, Batman animated series, Justice League series, um, where Terry McGinnis is the the new Batman, but like Bruce is still, you know, he's still Batman. But he's just not the right. physical Batman anymore. Um, so it does bring a lot of that kind of detective work and stuff in. Um, and then a few more, just um, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths and Justice League Doom. Um, mm-hmm. And and then there's also some like Son of Batman and things with Damien where, you know, Bruce Wayne has a son with Talia right. al Ghul. And it's like that. Also, those family dynamics are very messed up, but they're they're pretty interesting <laughs> a lot of the time, I think. Yeah. Um, and so kind of just getting to see all those different versions of Batman that all feel very uh, cohesive to me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend all of those ones. Yeah. No, and I think that's true. I think – and part of it may be – I think this is something that happens a lot with the kind of big tentpole movies we talk about is often there's sort of a desire to take something that might have a bit of a niche audience, like – it feels kind of ridiculous to say that Batman has a niche audience, but like in terms of the comics and mm-hmm. the animation, like there's a certain part of the public that absolutely loves and adores it, but it's not for everyone. Big tentpole movies often want to sort of make the character palatable for everyone, right? You know, and I think that that's uh, I think I think a lot of characters suffer for that 
And I think that um, Batman especially is one where it just and, – and so, yeah, getting to be able to see like more of the detective story or more of the family crisis story. You know, it's, just, it, it's great and it all forms a kind of cohesive whole. Well, uh, as always, so well, Paul, as always, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, for folks who want to find more of Paul, just search for Zen Madman. Uh, you'll find all sorts of you know writings, videos, all sorts of good stuff like that. For myself, go to Ethical Panda. For myself, go to theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find all the other podcasts I'm doing. You'll also find our contact information. Uh, really want to know more about who's your Batman? Who you know, especially the animated ones. Do you love Kevin Conroy? Um, we, it, it's funny in, in terms of this. I mentioned the, the uh, I mentioned Luke Skywalker, but we didn't get into at all how I think for many people, myself very much included, until Heath Ledger came along, mm. like you know, um, Mark Hamill yeah. is their Joker, yeah. and certainly I don't think anyone will ever capture the Joker laugh the way Mark Hamill did. You know, such an essential part of the uh, that part of the animated stuff. Um, but yeah, let us know. We'd love to know your thoughts. We'd love to know which of the ones you really resonate with. Find all the contact information on theethicalpanda.com. Check out Zen Madman in all the places. And most importantly, have a good day. Speaking of Mark Hamill, (laughs) the two episodes of Justice League Season 2 that have the Joker Uh in them, or not the two, but they're like right towards the end of Season 2, are Mm -hmm. great and they introduce a character, Ace. And then the last episode of Justice League of Unlimited Season 1 brings her back and is just to me is the best Batman thing ever. And it's animated. I think it's very true. Very true. All right. Well, that last thought. Thanks very much. Take care.